Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Saber Talk podcast. This is Mark Ice and Josh Eppinger. And we're once again really soldiering through, we're not able to do this by Skype, but we're talking to each other on the phone, holding it up to our um, right underneath our microphone. So we're doing what we have to do to get this to you. But how's everything going on your end, Josh? Oh, just, uh, it's clear, uh, doing pretty good. Just started a new job uh, last week, and uh, in my second week, I'm well, still at the tap room in Westfield, New York, obviously, but uh, starting another summertime gig working in Westfield Cemetery. So um, if you ever want to stop by and drop some hockey news to me while I'm working, feel free ahead. It's right off the Main Street, Route 20. Sure, you're going to get a lot of people dropping in. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a pretty quiet place. If you catch my drift. Um, but more importantly, how are you doing, Mark? Uh, Mark, for our viewers, um, Mark just uh, had a birthday uh, over over last week, so uh, he's the big twenty five now. Yep, yep. I had a good birthday. I I ended up going to my sister's graduation, college graduation, over the weekend. She got a teaching degree. She she uh, took a job in Cleveland as a teacher. So that was pretty fun to be able to see her my family over the weekend and you know it was mother's day on my birthday too it was sunday the 14th so i got to spend a little bit of time with my mom went on a long walk together and uh we went to brunch in the morning so it was really great i don't get to see my family too often so uh, unfortunately i had to travel yeah. i had to travel about half of my birthday but it was worth it well i'm glad that you got to see your family and uh congratulations to your sister there buddy thank you thank you yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty exciting time. And uh, on a lighter note, so I've been in Washington D.C. the last uh, you know, the last week and a half or so, and I've brought that Buffalo luck to Washington D.C. So we've already had the we had the Capitals lose in a Game Seven last week, and then had the Wizards <sighs> lose to the Celtics in a Game Seven yesterday. So I apologize to all our D.C. sports fans. Well, you owe me $50 because Las Vegas took my money there, Mark. That's <laughs> what <laughs> um, they always do. Could, you know, at least it was a good series. I'm glad, it, you know, I went to a game set. Both game, uh, you know, the Oilers and the Ducks and the Capitals and the Penguins, two series that I was very paying attention to very clear uh, a lot. Uh, glad to see both of them go to game seven. And, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. That's why we love watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's what I should have predicted would happen in the Penguins Capitals series. That the Capitals would really, just like uh, just like Lucy with the football to Charlie Brown, like they, they made you think they're right back in it. How are the Penguins going to come back from this in Game Seven, and then they blow it in Game Seven? That, that should have been more predictable. That's that's been their mo for a while, but I still was holding out hope that they would win. I really did not want the Penguins to advance. But yeah, great series. It pretty evenly matched in 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 really all the series. I know the Predators yeah. made it through pretty Besides quickly. Nashville, yeah. yeah, but I think that was that series was more even than the score would indicate. The Predators had a little more yeah. firepower. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, it's been fun watching Nashville and at Anaheim. I was really looking forward to, hopefully, you know, the Oilers in Nashville just because Connor McDavid versus that defense would have been a lot of fun. But uh, Anaheim and Nashville is a lot of fun. A lot of people written off, uh, 
you know, the the conference finals games after being mad that the Capitals lost and the Oilers lost. And uh, I think these are going to be two good series. Uh, you know, last night we had Pittsburgh and uh, Pittsburgh and Ottawa in, you know, a one-goal game, what it came down to. But uh, that's fun hockey. I don't care what anyone says. I don't need a whole bunch of scoring to watch hockey. I like watching those close games. It makes everything that much more exciting, in my opinion. Well, yeah, you've definitely been blessed this playoff this playoff season then tons of games going to overtime tons tons of one goal mm-hmm. games i really can't believe that ottawa is still around at this point i yeah. i'm just flabbergasted you want, yeah me too you wonder how much that really has to do with coaching too i mean you look at a guy for sure there on the bench during the games and uh he's really in his players ears and I think he did, I th- I admire I admire him as a coach. I think he does a very good job. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a I think he's a pretty good coach. You saw when he coached for Tampa Bay, they turned it around pretty quickly. He's unorthodox, but um they've also been boosted by very strong goaltending. They've been playing above themselves really all year if you look at the if you look at the advanced statistics. So, I don't know if this is just one long run of of luck or if they're actually good, but this really was their opportunity. This is probably the weakest that this division is going to be for a long time, so they made a little bit of a splash to get uh, Alex Burroughs and went for it a little bit, and here they are in the conference finals. Yeah, good for them. You know, I'm never going to root for Ottawa, and I'm not rooting for Pittsburgh, so I really don't care who wins the series, but uh, it's fun to watch, and um, Ottawa's been pretty good on defense, Uh Last night, your boy, uh, Mark's favorite player, Mr. Dion Phaneuf, uh, really uh, laid laid the uh, shoulder on uh, Russ there from Pittsburgh. That was a pretty good hit in the beginning of the game. You were really masterfully skilled at somehow bringing Dion Phaneuf into the conversation every single podcast and being able to refer to him as my favorite player. That's a that's quite oh, a skill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you know I, I'm, I'm flashing back to, uh, you know – Midget, um, before Midget Mall, or probably go Bantam Mall or something like that days, and uh, when when he first broke in the league, and you know, I just can't get that out of my head, you know. But it was a great hit. I, you know, good hit, nice clean hit, and uh, took an impact player out of the game for a little bit there with and Russ. So it should be interesting what Pittsburgh has going down the line, though, because uh, with Schultz, Justin Schultz being on the possibly not. Uh, coming back, he went. He left the game with an injury. Uh, their defense is getting really depleted between Daly, Latang, and now Schultz. It, you got to wonder how long Pitzer can even hold on. We talked about Ottawa's, uh, you know, good goaltending and their good streak of uh, luck, basically. But how long can Pittsburgh hold on with uh, their depleted defense core? It's it makes everything that much more interesting. Yeah, and. I've kind of given up really worrying about Pittsburgh. They somehow always find a way to to play through injuries, and they at least have pretty good depth on the back end. I mean, any team is going to really struggle if they lose three of their three of their top six guys. But uh, if any team can withstand it, it's probably Pittsburgh. And they were playing with Chad Ruedel in their lineup for a lot of this year, our old friend, um, and Saber. Yeah, we're able to make it work. So. We'll see if we'll see if it works as well in the conference finals as it worked through 
a good portion of the regular season. But that team, for whatever reason, is just really resilient when it comes to injuries. And I guess you have to be over an 82-game regular season and a very long playoff season. If you can't, if you so, can't withstand injuries, you're not going to be standing there at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, a good reason of that is uh, actually the death of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they've been built strong, and uh, they've had, they have a great, you know, uh, NHL lineup, but all these players have gone down, and they're bringing guys up from uh, Wilkes-Barre, uh, Scranton, Penguins, and uh, a team that uh, a new Sabres friend it was in charge of, um, Jim Botterell. Uh, Boulder, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce it however I want because I heard him say it online, uh, not online on the radio that he does not care how anyone says his name. Yeah, and we're gonna obviously gonna have a ton of conversation about that. And I wanted to say if anybody was gonna be offended by you saying Bottrell's name incorrectly, you already offended all of our French Canadians by saying Guy Busher instead of Guy Boucher. They already <laughs> they're already laughing enough at your pronunciation of that name. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hope I, I I hope we don't have a big French Canadian crowd because you know I never liked the uh, the K- Montreal Canadiens anyway. So that uh, <laughs> Quebec Hockey League and all that, you know, just, you know, we're, we're we're here in Western New York. Well, I'm here in Western New York, and I'm gonna keep up with my uh, proper pronunciations. I like it. I I like doing that to Nadia all the time because she. She speaks French, and she'll sometimes say, you know, a certain French name with a very French flavor. So I'll do, I'll do that. I'll say it very Americanized and intentionally wrong, and it's always pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> if if I could steal a quote from uh, Talladega Nights uh, with Ricky Bobby, there uh, sounds like a dog with peanut butter on his roof of his <laughs> mouth. But back to uh, your point on uh, on Bottrell and and building that organization that's really what you have to have to do to be good consistently over time and people look at oh they have Crosby and Malkin so they're always going to be good but they've had their ups and downs and even when you have star players you still need to be consistently bringing players through the system we've talked a lot about Chicago on this podcast too and how once their guys once their non-core guys get to be too expensive they trade them off for younger, cheaper players, and they have guys coming up through the system ready to fill in. And that's what Pittsburgh has really done well. And that's why there are so many names. Every year you see somebody and you think, who is that? It wasn't somebody highly touted. They weren't picking these guys in the top ten of the draft. These are guys that they signed as undrafted free agents or were able to acquire on the cheap from other organizations or you know, drafted later in the draft, later in the first round or, or in the – the mid to late rounds of the draft and were able to develop through their system. So I think that's what excited me most about Bottrell's initial press conference, how much he stressed development and bolstering the Amherst. I'm sure Amherst fans loved it too. And that was something I really thought was lacking from the Tim Murray era. Oh yeah. And you, and you've touched on it plenty, Mark. Uh, and, and uh, we'll call him uh, JB Jason Botterell, uh, will uh, he he really stressed you know building from the bottom up those guys down in uh, Rochester you know it, this isn't just another hockey game I'm sure those guys are going out and competing but let's bring some pride to that organization and make it so I mean this is pro hockey we're talking in the AHL and sometimes maybe guys are 
upset because they see what's going on in Buffalo and they want to be part of it. Well, let's build a great uh, great club down there and build from the bottom up. Another thing, though, this tells me is that, you know, we're really going to develop. We're going to take some time and develop some guys. We're we're going to – don't expect us to go out and sign freaking, you know, Patrick Eves this year I or someone else – a huge name to come in to help this team this year. We we're not. I wasn't ex- expecting it whatsoever before the signing, but we're not going to. We're not going to be doing that. We're going to be really focusing on bringing our guys up and and working with them in Rochester. And I think it's a very exciting thing. I think it's something that's been lacked as well. Definitely, yeah. It, and I think it goes back to each of their backgrounds. So Tim Murray's background primarily scout background so he likes going out and finding players Bottrell's much more had so he's he, he's worked in the minors he's he's been in the front office and that's more of a broad overview that's more of looking at how do we get those players that are picked by our scouts he's not doing the scouting and picking the players how do we get those players from point a to point c from being picked to making it to the nhl and i wonder if just because of tim murray's background Maybe that never was his focus. He's much more focused on finding the right guys and drafting the right guys. But it takes a lot more than that. It, it You need to couple that with getting those players to the NHL. And that's the less fun part, I think, is developing them. I was, I was trying to think of a good comparison, but I know a lot of people that will like join 10 fantasy leagues or something because they love the draft. They love, they love doing the draft, but then they don't mm-hmm. follow – they don't follow it each week and they don't make the waiver wire pickups and their lineup changes. That's more the nitty gritty stuff that, that you need to get you from the draft, which really is the most fun part of the year to the final result. So it seems like, it seems like Bottrell is a different focus, which is, which is good. I think. Yeah, I absolutely, I agree. And you know, if you have a good, and look at Wilkes-Bear Penguins there. And uh, let's think about, how good they have been in the last few years. I mean, since since he's taken over, they've been a top team in the AHL every year. I mean, they've throughout the regular season, and uh, they're always there. And you know, when you got a team that good, and guys down there, they're hungry. They've been playing. They're on a. They're in. T- they're the big club and the small club are within the same page, and. Uh, if if they need someone in uh if they need someone in emergency, they can call them up and they're ready to play, and but they've also are used to the same idea of where you're pro hockey. This isn't just some scrub junior team that you know I played on when I was 16 years old. You know. Yeah, and and there should be a real symbiotic relationship between Buffalo and Rochester because first of all, it's a very good hockey area hockey is very popular in all of western new york both buffalo and rochester they're only an hour away from each other or so um so a lot of buffalo fans or people that kind of are in the middle will go to both you can root for both teams you can follow both teams if you want um so there should be this should have the potential to be a very strong organization and that's not even taking into account all the money that the pagulas have at their disposal but i think if you look back at what the what the Amherst were back in the the Vanek, Pominville, Roy when that core was coming up. You didn't have the same money 
at the pro level, but they focused a lot of their resources on developing guys on because they had to. They they couldn't outspend on other teams. But now hopefully you have both of that focus coupled with money and resources at the NHL level. And it can be exciting. I think that's why Bottrell is willing to take the job. Also taking into account the elite talent they already have. You mentioned that before with uh, him him pointing at Eichel and O'Reilly specifically. But there's a lot of potential here for, for this to be a great overall organization. And even more potential than there was in Pittsburgh. So it's all about figuring out how to get to that point. It, it, it'll take time. More potential than Pittsburgh. I like where you're going there, Mark. Um, well, Buffalo, but, I mean, if you, you know, look at... If you look at ratings, if you look at, at uh, support for hockey as a whole, if you look at youth hockey, Buffalo outclasses Pittsburgh in all of those regards. And there's there's less population, but also the yep. the, the Buffalo ownership is richer. Uh, <clears throat> and Pittsburgh had even worse issues than the Sabres did financially when they were both really down in the doldrums. So um, hmm. I don't I don't think that's that's too outlandish of a statement to make. No, 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 I, I never, I didn't mean to point it across like it was outlandish. I, I, I was surprised in them, you know, just hearing that makes me happy. Just because we played in, uh, we weren't from Buffalo. We played outside of uh, in Chautauqua County, and but we went out and traveled to Buffalo all the time to play. You know, once a week usually. So uh, it makes me a little proud. It should make you proud too. Um, Definitely, but. Um, you know, it's funny you said, you know, the Sabres haven't been good in Rochester, you know, since the Thomas Vanek, Jason Pominville, Derek Roy, uh, those, all those days, you know, Brian Campbell, Ryan Miller. Um, and it's funny, though, because uh, Bottrell is actually on some, w- played with some of those guys, Pominville, Roy. Uh, he was roommates of Ryan Miller in Rochester. So he actually ended his career there after uh, playing up in the NHL had a concussion and uh, came back, you know, decided to take his career another way and uh, help develop some of these young guys that is the team that we actually grew to, we grew up with and loved. So um, there is that, that Sabres connection still, and uh, I think that doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. We talked about this last podcast, but this is a guy that, you know, played in the league for years, and went back to went back to college and uh, got his MBA in uh, economics, I do believe, right? Um, I'm not sure what his specialization was, but yeah, he went to Michigan, which is a very yep, good program. Yep, yep. went to yep in a great hockey school too as well. And he went back to college after playing the pros, and uh, you know could have took his career anywhere and uh, went and started working with the Dallas Stars, and uh, eventually made his way to Pittsburgh. And uh, became uh, worked his way up to associate GM, and now he is gonna be in charge of, and you know he was obviously like I said, uh, the general manager of Scranton and hired their uh, current the Penguins' current coach Mike Sullivan. So he's had experience of bringing in a coach and then actually the coach being promoted. So hopefully he's gonna be helping us with our new coach search because that is the next on our agenda of things to do with the Sabres. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to going to be forever intertwined with who this who this coaching selection ends up being, who they who they end up selecting. And I think uh, one point mm-hmm. I wanted to make before I forget it is that he was here during the time really when the Sabres were in the doldrums, when the future of the team was uncertain. 
prior to the lockout. There were there were a lot of question marks surrounding the team, and they were also completely in no man's land where they were not good enough to make the playoffs, but they weren't bad enough to be to be drafting really high. And the fact that he was still willing to come back despite having been here during those really rough times, I think, shows a lot. Shows that it must have made an impression on him. Or maybe he sees things as being that much better now. He was able to compare what things were like then to what they are now when he's coming here to interview. So that's exciting, and I think it's it's pretty cool he was willing to come back. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, you know, and um, they had uh, the day of the signing, uh, Jim Rutherford, the uh, the general manager of Pittsburgh, who he's worked under for the last couple years, few years. Um, he was under the GM before that as well, but uh, as an assistant general manager. But uh, Jim Rutherford came on uh, WGR and said that he is a number one pick. Obviously, he's going to back uh, back his guy, and by saying that, but uh, I really, I really do believe that you know. He was right up there with he he was the number one guy, if not two or three, that we could have possibly picked, but no one can predict the future. But uh, you know, we, we talked about other guys that we liked, but this is uh this is the guy that gets me going. He's 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 uh he's forty years old. He's uh he's a new he's not you know, he's played in the league so he he knows what where players are coming from. But he's also a smart guy, and he's really, you know, new blood. And I'm always kind of the guy that's, you know, new blood. And we need people that uh, are adjusting to this new game because this game is different than it was played, you know, 10 years ago, way different. And uh, it's all about speed. And I like the fact that in the press conference uh, he said that they asked, what style do you do you look to build in this Buffalo Sabres team? And he goes, uh, up tempo, so as as in fast. And he said, when I say up tempo, I don't mean fast. I don't mean dump and chase. We are going to be a puck possession team. Yeah, which I so, love. That was a that was a quote I had uh, I had highlighted as well, uh, because that was again another major gripe I had with the with the Dan Bylsma era. And I think it'll be nice that the GM is going to be making a coaching selection a a coaching hire based on how he thinks the game should be played and I don't know if that really happened under Tim Murray I we always question how involved he was with the Bilesma hire but there seemed to be I wouldn't say animosity but some conflict between the two as to player usage and as to really what the system should be and you would hope in a cohesive organization that's not going to be happen or that's that's not going to happen so Hopefully, you know, he hires a coach with the same vision that he has and they're able to see relatively eye to eye. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I don't think, you know, it's it's his first stint as a general manager. I I he seems like a very thorough guy. Uh I don't know for sure, but he seems to be very thorough and I think that he's going to take this coaching search and I hope he does. Uh very diligently and making sure that he's getting the guy that he's going to be able to work with. That being said, I, I'm not sure if I want him to bring in uh, another, you know, assistant coach or uh, a coach from 
Pittsburgh or Wilkesbury just because he's familiar with them. But uh, it could very well be. Yeah, yeah, and I that was another one of the major takeaways I had from everything he said so far is that it doesn't sound like a coaching hire is going to be imminent. So we'll probably be waiting on this for a while, and I completely agree with you that that's a good thing. I don't want, and we discussed this exactly in the prior podcast where um, we liked that the Sabres seemed to really be taking their time on this GM hire, and it seemed to be changing a little bit from how they had handled things previously, that they just gave Ron Rolston the job back when he had been interim without, I, I don't believe they interviewed anybody else when they gave him the, the permanent tag, and he ended up getting fired very, very soon after, but um, I think taking taking their time and being able to see all the options and, like you said, not just go to, to the Pittsburgh organization and pluck somebody that you know, but really see everything that's out there. And I'm sure being around Rutherford, I'm sure all these organizations have kind of a list of of possible coaching candidates that they like. You know, Not that they're looking to replace their coach or anything, but they probably have a list of, of talent. And so I'm sure that he's been exposed to who the Pittsburgh organization likes, and he has his own opinions coming in. So it'll be telling who he ends up deciding to hire, and it'll be really, really important. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it, um, it's going to be it's gonna be the first thing he's judged on, I think, through this whole first season, uh, who he brings in as coach and how, how it works. Um you know, I th- I got I got some bad news for you impatient fans. Uh it's been it's been a while, but uh I don't see this team. I don't see him making these mo- uh Botero making these moves to put us in a, a playoff spot next year. I I see him being diligent and working with what we have while acquiring nice uh nice moves that are going to take a while. I'm not saying he's not going to bring in a top four defenseman. I'm not ruling that out, but what I am saying is he's going to be diligent and he's going to work from the bottom up. Yep, and I I also got that impression, and I had made a comment kind of along similar lines in our prior podcast that I don't necessarily see where there's this this really quick fix, and you know maybe they would be better off going into the season with Evander Kane and maybe not, you know, not having lofty playoff expectations, be able to trade him at the deadline if you're if you're not right in the thick of the race and you know, maybe pick up a, another asset at 8th overall. As much as I want to make the playoffs this year, and they probably do have the talent to do it. So I shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't be throwing in the towel already, but if you look at the the market last year for defensemen, and how expensive they were. I don't know if the market's going to look differently this year. I'm, sh- I'm certainly hoping it will be, but maybe there's not going to be that quick fix, and maybe they're going to have to go into the season more relying on Jake, McCabe's, uh, Jake McCabe taking a step forward or Zach Bogosian hopefully finding himself under a new coaching staff. Uh, maybe they're going to have to be relying more on that, and I know fans don't want to hear that necessarily, but it'll be, I think, uh, coming in to a new organization – there's going to be an evaluation period for Bottrell. It's not going to be wholesale changes right away. Yeah. You know, um, more of the changes that I personally look forward forward to, and this is all my speculation and my hope, is uh, maybe uh, buying out some of these contracts, 
you know, buying out a Ennis or a Molson if if you uh, if our Georges or something to free up some money for the future. Because I think that we have some serve, and that being said, you know, you want to keep some talent in Rochester, but I think we have some guys that could come up and play next year that are going to be better than some of these these contracts that we have looming over our head. Um, I wouldn't be... Wouldn't it be against him maybe making talking to Vegas and I know everyone's trying to have it has this whole idea, but uh I'm really into you know make you know, trading uh one of our two second round picks for uh for um Vegas to take a bad contract off our hands. I know we wanna build from the ground up, but I wanna make sure our cap situation is good too and uh it could it's it's not it's not where we want it to be we're where we're at with this team and how young we are we're we're not looking in a promising area where i see us right now at least well in a in a related point you know i want to talk about the same thing but i think my viewpoint's a little bit different is i think it's really difficult to buy out either that those Ennis or Molson contracts this year. And I don't think you're going to see Bogosian being bought out. He still has three years left. But I think next offseason is where you really could see those moves. So maybe he comes in and he sees, okay, I basically have all this dead cap. You know, yeah, I have these players under contract. They'll probably still be on the roster, namely Molson, Ennis, Georges. But Georges's contract is up after this year, so you're getting rid of that $3.9 million. Um, it'll be it'd be easier to to unload the Molson or Ennis contracts next off season with only one year left. There probably will be some teams in like the the Arizona Coyotes situation trying to reach the cap floor. Maybe Vegas is in that position next year, and it'll be a lot easier to trade those with just one year left. And probably the what you have to attach to them would be less than one of our second round picks this year. So if you go into this year thinking okay, yes, we'd like to challenge for a playoff spot. We want to make some moves building toward um, the following year, building toward 2018, 2019. Maybe that makes more sense with that contract situation. Conversely, of course, Evander Kane's contract is up. Jack Eichel's contract is up. Sam Reinhardt's contract is up. So really a lot of the money you'd be saving there would be going toward now paying these guys far more than what they're making or at least – with for uh, Reinhardt and Eichel, what they're making under their entry-level deals. So you got to consider that too. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how he approaches it. I would be surprised if we see any buyouts this offseason, though. Yeah, this year, like you said, it's a good uh, good year. Georges is really the only one that you could buy out, but there's not much sense of it. That Bogosian contract, I don't think you're ever going to be able to buy out. But maybe... You know, we said this last time, but maybe, maybe Bogosian comes back strong underneath a new coach. I, I'm not gonna say it's, you know, I'm certain of it or anything, but there's a chance. Well, if you look at what Pittsburgh's been able to do, they've been able to really resuscitate guys' careers. Justin Schultz, mm-hmm. really, people had given up on him. They got him for a third round pick as a, as a rental, and he was still a restrict. Like, a lot of people thought he wouldn't be qualified. At the end of that season, when they traded for him for a third-round pick, they thought the qualifying offer would be too high. Ended up going there and playing really good hockey, and he's he's been a very nice addition to that organization. Trevor Daly, they traded a 
probably a negative value contract in Rob Scuderi and brought him in, and he's been a nice piece too. He's been a, a capable yeah. defenseman for them. So the Pittsburgh organization has done a good job of that. And if he if if Botro can bring that, then I feel much better about Bogosian coming into this season. Yeah, yeah, I uh, it, it does make me excited too. Um, staying healthy is a big issue of him too, but uh, obviously he was terrible in uh, with the since Bielsma's got there at least, and uh, he was a, a player I was really excited about when we made that trade, and he looked good when he came from. He looked pretty good when he came from um, from Winnipeg initially when he first got on the ice, I was really excited about that player. So we'll see. Um, you know, I, um, reading some stuff, you know, some things that people are posting on cat friendly and a, a lot of people want to tie, um, Pittsburgh players, bring in some Pittsburgh players that are going to be free agents at the end of the year. And daily was one of them to, uh, strengthen up the back end if the price was right. Um, but I don't see it happening. I, he, he, just because he has worked with these players in Pittsburgh doesn't mean that he's going to do this. I, this is a guy that knows hockey players in every league in the world. And I think, you know, I think that, you know, he, he might not be the scout that Tim Murray is, but I think he's going to bring in guys that are going to be able to help him, and he knows a lot about. That was one thing that uh, Rutherford said about him was that he knows a lot about every league in the world. So that makes me excited as well. Yeah, and I think as fans, we tend to overstate prior connections. So one thing that just popped into my mind was a lot of people always want, oh, the Sabres should be in on Anthony Duclair because he and Reinhardt played together at the uh, at the World Juniors. So we should get Duclair, reunite him with Reinhardt, and then, you know, Duclair's career is going to be completely resuscitated. Reinhardt's going to be playing better. But, you know, th- that just doesn't happen that much. Are people trying to reunite brothers and, yeah. and, and hoping that they can they can play together? And it does happen. It happened with the Stalls in Carolina, but it's, yeah. it's the exception, not the rule. And I think we shouldn't well, be expecting Bottrell to be favoring Pittsburgh players and players with Pittsburgh ties. Well, look at the, um, you know, two. You know, the two biggest brothers in hockey in the last ten years are the reason that they're the reason that their teams are being held back, and that's Vancouver with the Sedin brothers, the twins. Uh, a lot of money tied up in both those skaters, and they're, uh, you know, Vancouver's been a pretty bad team these last few years they started off the season pretty hot this year last year but uh they i think they finished fifth or sixth i'm not sure don't quote me on that well i think uh i do think you know back when that move was initially made by brian burke way back in the day when we were little kids uh that was one instance where i think it did make a lot of sense in the wheeling and dealing they did to get both of them because i think that they were far better players together than they would have been separately. They did have some sort of innate sense playing together, and I th- and I think they were more productive with each other than they would be without each other. So yeah. that was kind of the rare exception where I think looking for that connection actually 
worked and they've had a great run yeah I think now they need to blow it up and they made some nice moves this year I thought building for the future I mentioned the Burroughs trade to Ottawa but Vancouver got a nice return for him um, they, they were able to sign Brock Besser and he looks like he's going to be a legit top six winger uh, they've got a, a lot of nice defensemen on that team so <clears throat> hopefully they're moving in the in the right direction our, our expansion brothers but that was that was one of those yeah. exceptions to the rule, I think, where it actually made a lot of sense. And I think when Carolina did the move for Jordan Stahl, they didn't do it because he was Eric's brother. They did it because that was the type of guy they thought they needed to to help them, you know, help them make the playoffs, to help them get to that point where they were a perennial playoff contender, a kind of all situation center. Uh, it ended up not working out, but uh, yeah, back to. Back to our original point went probably too far down the Vancouver rabbit hole there, but I wouldn't be <laughs> I wouldn't right. be sitting here just trying to circle guys who've played for Pittsburgh in the past and think those are going to be the guys we're going to be focusing on. I think that's far too simplistic and isn't giving Bottrell enough credit. Yeah, no, um, it, it should it should be uh, interesting. Uh, there was a uh, another someone someone. Uh, Someone brought it up. I think it might have been. I wish I had the exact quote in front of me. I think it might have been uh, in Elliot Freeman's thirty thoughts today about. Uh, he spoke about the Sabers. Wrote about the Sabers and uh, talking about um, the assistant at uh, for the AHL uh, Wilkes Bear there, uh, Jeff Ward, who was uh, he was hired in. He was a uh, assistant in New Jersey or something and he uh another guy that that the Sabres might be uh that that uh might be interested in bringing in uh I mean there's been the Rick Tockett the Rick Tockett uh talk and uh a move that I am not very interested in uh he had very little success with uh the horse picking up trying to pick up the horror show from uh Barry Melrose in Tampa Bay, which is a lose lose situation, but uh, he's had his chance there, and he's been an assistant with uh, the Coyotes and the Avalanche, and none of those teams were ever really that good. And he's uh, with Pittsburgh now, and he's being. A, I, I think I brought it up last time that um that he's one of Cindy Crosby's favorite player guys, but I think uh, I, I'm just really against that move. I, I I mean he could it could be it could if that move came in I would accept it and I would watch it but it wouldn't be my my top pick by any means and I think the Sabres I think the Sabres are you know a very desirable place right now for a head coach to come in uh with young young talent and uh new blood at the GM and the GM's picking the coach so we should uh I think that we should be looking a little farther past Rick Tockett. What you got any uh, opinions on him since uh, we last spot last talked? Well, I try to do a little research on you know if anybody talked about his system when he was in Tampa Bay or anything. I obviously remember him being there, but I couldn't find any really specific things on what he does from a hockey perspective. But to give a little background on on what happened with him. So like you said, he took over for Barry Melrose. And it's funny how this all comes full circle. And then he ended up being replaced by Guy Boucher 
following the season. So, mm-hmm. so new ownership bought the Lightning. He was fired by the new ownership. The new ownership came in, kind of cleared house right away. Boucher came in. Then they had a great next season. But then Boucher missed the playoffs the following two seasons. So I don't know if that one season was the outlier, and maybe they're maybe you can't put too much blame on Tockett. You know that that team wasn't that good. They were still very young. Um, Stamkos did have a breakout year. He had over 50 goals, I believe, in that in that season, that one full season that Tockett had. But like you said, yeah. in his in his two seasons, so it was one full season and one partial season. He went 53, 69, and 26. So that was only a only a 43 yep. percent winning percentage, and that's obviously not going to cut it. But you have to evaluate him based on what would the roster have been with a different coach, or what would the what would the record have been with it with a different coach in the same roster and everything. And I think it's hard to evaluate because you do have. Boucher coming in and killing it that next year, but he also came in and, and ran an innovative system that the league caught up to. So was it just the system, and then basically the team reverted to its normal play the next two years? Then Boucher ended up getting fired, and Cooper came in. He's been there ever since. So, uh, and also you'll like this another thing from that article on Tockett that Steve Downey had probably the best season of his career under Tockett. So if Tockett comes in, that means probably the Sabres are bringing in your boy, Steve Downey. (laughs) You know, you know, forget everything I just said about him. Sign that guy up. (laughs) I need him in Buffalo. Just pay the man. You know, just, just pay Tockett. We need him in here. Him and Downey package deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, the other package deal of Tockett is that if he comes in as head coach, Vanek's retiring and coming in as assistant coach, and they're going to start running some money. <laughs> yeah, I saw some pretty good jokes about that. The Tockett only wants to come because there's a casino right by the arena in Buffalo. Tockett's just been waiting for this job to open up. <laughs> oh, man. That's some good stuff. Good stuff right there. To, to uh, give everybody some background, because probably everybody doesn't know what we're talking about, but I've, I, I do have the thing right in front of me, so... In, it was in 2006, Tockett was served with a criminal complaint accused of financing a nationwide sports gambling ring based in New Jersey, and several current NHL players were involved, and uh, it was apparently related to, to football. And Gretzky's wife uh, also was involved. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else that was that, was that important. He, uh, he ended up agreeing to two years probation, as part of a plea, he was he, he he pleaded guilty to conspiracy and promoting gambling. Um, let's see. Oh man, he, yeah, and he, he was reinstated for, in two thousand. He bit the bullet for Gretzky. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of the background on on what happened there. So that's a that's a it's a wild story, you know. And Thomas Vanek, uh, some gambling things came up of him a few years back too. So. Uh, Gotta love our boy Tommy Vanek. At least he overall. wasn't involved with Henrik Tolinder, though. Oh God, God, <laughs> we can't even talk about that on there. Well, <laughs> some some things happened at Henrik Tolinder's uh, hockey stick uh, factory that are really shameful. So I don't think we can really talk about that. Yeah, it was <laughs> sexual assault allegations. Just. Uh, for Henrik Tillander, he ended up being cleared, I believe, of, of all charges. But 
Um, that's the background on Talinder. So Tocket wasn't yeah, involved yeah. in that one, to be clear. Separate incident. <laughs> uh. Man, you gotta love some of these hockey stories that come out. They, you know, they, you know, and, and you know, I think that also builds a character for why we love the game too. I mean, I mean, we we love it for the sport, but you get some of the craziest, like, where did this come from stories from hockey, and you know, you get you get them in all sports, but. There, I think there is a lot more amusing when you hear it from hockey players, personally. Well, I think you come to expect it more in like the NFL, for example. There's, they're just more of the yeah. story, so it's more of a bombshell when something like that happens in the NHL, and it sticks in your mind over the long term. Uh, but yeah. back to, so we we mentioned Reardon, correct? That he was rumored to be involved. Well, no. Did, did you well, mention him well, too? We uh. We we didn't we didn't really bring it up. Uh, Reardon, um, uh, assistant assi- uh, assistant coach with uh, the Penguins from 2010 to 2014, 2013, 2014. Uh, assistant coach and with the Capitals from 2014 to 2016, and then the 16, 17 series uh, se- uh, season, he was promoted to as- associate head coach with that uh, with that president. Uh, trophy winning team this year. He also uh, was a assistant coach in Wilkes Barre Scranton in uh, the 2008 year, and he was uh, the head coach, interim head coach, uh, 2008, 2009, and 2009 and 2010. He became was the head coach with a pretty decent record. They lost in the first round, but uh, they won 41 out of 34 games, and. Uh, Lost five times in overtime. So, um, I a Reardon would be uh, maybe the front runner in the head coach search in the whole league. Uh, I'm pretty sure Florida has uh, interviewed them already. Interviewed them already. So uh, I don't know what's more desirable to them. I I don't think that. Um, I I think that. They can go out and talk to him now since the series is over, but hopefully there's no bad blood between Botterell and uh, Reardon because I think that might be a solid choice. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, yeah, this is definitely um, one of those that makes sense because of the Pittsburgh connection. You just laid it all out there. Um, he's a former college coach too, so we talked about the college game producing more and more NHL-caliber head coaches now. Uh, and... I, I did a little bit more research on him. Apparently he was responsible for the power play, the Capitals' power play, and the defenseman. So uh, mm-hmm. that power play was very good. Not quite as good as the Sabres, one area where the Sabres really excelled this year. But they were third in the league, I believe, on the power play this year. And obviously they have a ton of talent. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying Reardon has the, the touch of God with the power play or anything, but – He's sought after by another team. has a has a pretty good resume and and the Pittsburgh connection. So yeah, I've got to think he'll be he'll be a strong candidate. He's somebody they can talk to now, like you said, um, or maybe some of the other candidates they'd be interested. In. I know we we talked about Phil Housley in the past. You wouldn't be able to talk to him at this point because Nashville is still alive. So um, this would be somebody they could really get started on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with um. And the same with uh, Tocket. You can't really talk to him either because of the series. So yep. they're, they're, 
you know, two two coaches that are affiliated with uh, winning programs this season, which is uh, pretty exciting. But uh, I, you know, the more I hear about Reardon, I the more I get excited about it. Um, I mean, we're talking about a Florida team that was plagued with injuries this year too in the Florida Panthers, and uh, and the Panthers. Uh, you know that's a you know that's a pretty desirable job too. I think you know. I agree. You got an Aaron Ekblag, a Jonathan Huberdo, a Barkov, a, a Bushtag, or however you want to pronounce his name, but he's a big man and I like him. Um, that one wasn't French Canadian, so you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, don't don't be don't be uh, don't be uh, telling all your French Canadian friends and your and your uh, wife who speaks a little French that I'm just finding out today. <laughs> but uh but uh yeah uh a pretty good team there you know Keith Yandel I think I think a little more of a complete team but I think that the Sabres have way more uh more uh potential down the road than Florida does but a, a, a very good you know if you're if you're looking at both those jobs you're 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 uh you get you have to be highly regarded and uh a guy who earns a sh- deserves a shot at a head coach in the NHL. Definitely, yeah. I think, like you said, both are desirable. You can probably make an argument in either direction. Which one would be more desirable? Some people would maybe point to Florida. Um, no income tax. The weather possibly can be attractive to some people. Maybe that would sway the desirability in that direction. But Buffalo has yeah, has more money to, to throw around. Five thousand people. Yeah, and the. And the fan base and everything. Um, a lot of these guys too are from Canada. You know, a lot of the guys from Canada are from the Toronto area because there's just so much population concentrated on there. So some of them may want to be closer to home. So yeah, both very desirable jobs. And the fact that he's he's been rumored to to be connected to both of them goes to show he's a he's a quality candidate. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and I think that's a that's a whole reason to get excited about him. Um, as of right now, he might be my front runner as a coach. I, I, I really, uh, I'm intrigued by Housley. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, we said, we said before, I don't want to be making moves just because of past team history, but Housley has earned a shot with, uh, has earned a shot to become a head coach and he's put his time and effort in. So, uh, he'd be exciting to see and how good Nashville's back end is, is something that we could definitely uh, use since we our lack of defensive uh, effort on our team, I guess I'd put it. Yeah, yeah, and I think these are both guys that will get head coaching jobs at some point. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So whether they get one this off season or a couple off seasons down the line, these are both quality candidates. It doesn't look like the Sabres are going to be hiring somebody off the off the scrap heap that other teams aren't even considering. And I mentioned Ron Rolston before. That's really what the Ron Rolston hire felt like when it happened and what the Ted Nolan hiring really felt like too. And I know that the goals of the organization were different at that point in time. It was kind of to hold the morale together while being very bad. But uh, I think they're going to be able to cast a wide net like they did for the GM search, and and, uh, this should be a job that people are clamoring for. Yeah. I, I I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, the one uh, the one other thing I heard about the one other guy that I've uh, heard about uh, that could be potentially getting an interview is uh, 
Ralph uh, Ralph Kruger um, played uh, all European hockey as a pro, but uh, but uh, he was the he coached the Edmonton Oilers for a season. Was a head coach uh, in the 2012-2013 year, and uh, between the 2010 and 2011 campaign to the 2011 to 2012 campaign. He was associate head coach and uh, head coach of an Austria team, and uh, also as a most recent uh, head coach of the Team Europe and the World Cup of Hockey, which I, for one, really enjoyed. The NHL didn't, but I did. And uh, a team that was a surprise, a lot, a team that everyone thought was going to get ran over in this turn, lat tournament, and uh, they made it quite far. Yeah, they were a great story, and uh, I, I think from what I remember that the that the Oilers fans were a little bit surprised that he wasn't given another shot. That they had played decently under him, not not fantastically or anything. Uh, one thing I found, I was doing a little research on on Kruger and when he was fired, trying to find what people said, and he apparently was fired by the Oilers via Skype rather than than in mm-hmm. person. So hopefully. Hopefully the Sabres don't conduct their, their business that way. And it uh, goes to show the Oilers are far less dysfunctional than they were at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. They're, <laughs> you know, those years are pretty bad for uh, Edmonton fans. But, you know, they get Wayne Gretzky in the draft. They get Connor McDavid in the draft. Whatever. No big deal. Um, The good news about... uh. Bottrell is a two that he's talked to. Um, he has uh, spoken with uh, Victor Antipin, a guy that's uh, still sounds like he's going to be uh, coming into uh, coming to Buffalo this year after terminating his contract in the KHL. Um, a guy that can add some uh, some offensive play, guy from the defense perspective, and jump into that rush. Um, you know, Mur- that was a deal that Murray set up, and uh, Antipin s- still seems to be on board. Nothing's official yet, but uh, he's playing in the in the worlds right now in uh, France. I do believe the tournament was being held. Um, I'm honestly not sure. Oh, that's not important though. But um, what is important is that by uh, what I read. Um, is that Antipin is still on board at the Sabres, which is going to help our back end this year. Not going to make us a playoff team, but it's definitely going to put us in a better spot than we were last year. Yeah, having another option is is definitely great to have, and it's it, it's really nice to see that that didn't fall through because the Sabres didn't have a GM. They, they continued to keep in contact with him, and it looks like it'll still get done. So it's nice that there wasn't fallout in that regard from – Murray being fired. I looked it up too, and it's in France and Germany. So in Paris and Cologne. Okay. Wow. Crazy time, you know, be play, having a hockey tournament in the middle of a French election is a pretty risky business there, a pretty controversial election too. I'm sure you could go off about that, but this isn't the Marcos show. It's the Saber uh, Talk podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I won't go into any, into any details about it. It didn't seem like a great uh, – great choices in either direction kind of reminded me of 
our election here. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think uh, it's it's nice to see some, some, some names already coming out in terms of uh, coaches we discussed and Teepin. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more names coming out in terms of uh, possible coaching candidates. Another thing, you and I had mentioned it quickly before we started the show, what are your opinions on Bottrell saying that he sees Reinhardt as more of a wing than a center? Um. Well, for I'll be honest with you. Uh, the first uh, for the first half of the year this year, I wanted to see Sam Reinhardt with Jack Eichel or Ryan O'Reilly, but now when it gets down to it, and thinking about his success in junior and how well he was really a standout player, and that's why he was drafted second overall over uh, some other players in the draft. Um, I want to see Sam Reinhardt at center. I, I was a little disappointed to hear that he sees him more as a winger, but uh, I want to see him at center. And I, the, 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 the thing about this team is there's a lot of depth at center. If you bring back uh, a Johan Larson or um, a Zygmunt Gergson or both, there those are both net, those. Especially Larson is a you know a centerman over a winger, and I think Gergson Gergson's is too. Even though he does have more potential to play wing than Lar- Larson does, so I would like to see Sam at center more. I was hoping to see it uh, towards the second half of the season last year. But uh, he definitely, I definitely heard, uh, I definitely heard Byron say that he thinks that he sees him as a winger. Yeah, you, and Mark. I, I think he's a natural center. I think that's his better position. I completely agree with you. I wish that they would have had Reinhardt at center really once, once they were out of it last year. Even if they thought that the team was better with Reinhardt on the wing than they were with him at center, once they were really out of the playoff race, it would have been nice to have a, a larger sample size to look at him at center, and we could make more of a definitive judgment at this point. And, and Bottrell could too, because he hasn't played a ton at center, so I think he's looked he's looked comfortable, or and increasingly more comfortable the more that he's played at center. But we don't have a ton of you know a ton of game tape to evaluate him on, so. I think the team would be better in the long term with him at center. I think his his skills play better at center than at wing. Uh, maybe they're looking at it short term, and that the because of the the relative lack of winger depth versus the center depth, that the team would be better with him at wing. But I think it's a I think it's inaccurate to say now. You know, of course, Botcher would say differently to me, but I think it's inaccurate to say that he's better at wing. You know, maybe the team is better with him at wing because. The marginal upgrade of him at wing is greater than the downgrade is from him to Johan Larson, say at center. Uh, but I think that Reinhardt is better at center from what we've seen. Now, I very well may be proven wrong on that over time, but that's that's been my my pretty consistent opinion. Yeah, I felt like I, as soon as you asked me that, I knew I was going to kind of take the words out of your mouth, and I felt bad about it because I. You know, you you really were uh, a driving factor in uh, me believing that Sam Reinhardt needs to be a, a center after thinking about his junior career, and we've talked about this before. Um, it's just, uh, 
it, it should be interesting. I think a lot of it will have to do with whoever comes in the coach. I think the coach is going to have a lot of a, a lot more say than Bachero will with uh, where Sam's going to be playing. Definitely, yeah, I agree that it's really too early to make any sort of definitive judgment about where Reinhardt's going to play this year. There's still a ton of player moves to be made, and like you said, that ultimately will be the coach's decision, not the GM's decision as to how to best deploy the players he's got on his roster. Um, well, um, another thing about Bottero, and this is coming straight out of, uh, I pulled up uh, Elliot Freeman's 30 Thoughts after bringing it up earlier, and uh, um, Bottero was asked if he was comfortable with Robin Leonard and didn't hesitate to answer, I have no problem with him starting next season. With starting next season with him in goal, there are more pressing needs. I like what I saw from him when he won the Calder Cup. Leonard backstopped the Binghamton Senators to the AHL title in 2011. Binghamton Senators being another great AHL team, just like Will Spare, and uh, I think that's another good reason why the Senators are in the position they are in right now. But that's not the point. Um, Robin Leonard is, uh, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the goaltending on this team uh, coming next season with Nilsson and Leonard being, uh, well, Nilsson's UFA and Leonard's RFA and uh, Allmark's an RFA too, right? Yep. So, um, you know, there's a lot of questions to be answered there, but – I think uh, I, I like the fact that Bottero likes Robin Leonard and has seen something in him. Um, you know that was a that was a Tim Murray move, but I, I'm still not convinced that that move is uh, was a bad move. I you know a lot you know a lot of people gave him flack about it throughout the entire time he was in Buffalo, and we talked about it before. But I generally believe in Robin Leonard, and I think he had an amazing season last year, and I don't think it was a fluke. Um, that being said, we brought up the cap issues, so I'm excited to I'm excited to hear that Botterill is uh would have no problem with it. I just hope that a reasonable contract could be done. Yeah, definitely. And I think reading into that, if I'm really looking at word choice, um, when he says comfortable going in going into next season with him as my starter. That leads me to believe that what we've talked about, you know, what I would prefer is maybe another one-year prove-it type of deal before committing long-term to Leonard and not committing long-term to Leonard this off-season. So I, I think that things look like they're they're trending in that direction, where that's going to be more the contract that the Sabers are going to be looking to to get Leonard to sign rather than a three or four-year commitment to him and see if he can build off last year. I agree with you. I think he's. He's a good player. I've believed in him since before the Sabres traded for him. I think the Sabres gave up too much, and nothing that we do now is going to change that. I think they, they overpaid relative to the market. But I think he's a very talented goaltender, big, athletic, uh, has that kind of uh, crazy streak that you like to see in a goalie uh, where he yep, he absolutely. honestly thinks that he, he can stop every shot at certain points. And we've talked about it, every goalie – has that nutty streak in them to an extent that every good goalie does. Uh, yeah. So I completely agree with, with Bottrell here. And I think it's the, it's the right, the right stance to take. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, should be interesting. I, you know, in, 
the se- uh, 2017 uh, 2016 season hasn't even uh, came to an end yet. We're still in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I'm my uh, I'm I'm drooling over what what's gonna happen this off season. Like I said, I don't expect any big splashes or anything, but uh, you know every move is pivotal at this point, and it's very interesting and a lot of fun to think about if you're uh, hockey geeks like Mark and I. Definitely, yeah, and throwing the throwing the expansion draft into the mix too, obviously throws everything off because we haven't seen anything like that in over 15 years. So we don't know how it's going to be. We never had one under these rules, under the cap system. So that's going to be a lot of fun too. And I don't know how much it's going to affect what the Sabres do because they're they're very well positioned for the expansion draft. But there's going to be a lot more player movement this offseason than there has been in the past and you're gonna have another team now chasing players in the free agency pool and Vegas already looks like they're gonna be aggressive. They've been aggressive in the uh in the KHL realm, trying to bring guys over from there. So yeah, it's gonna be a fun off season. I always like player movement and uh and even notwithstanding all those things, just it, it being a very important off season for the Sabres makes me that much more excited for it. Yeah. Um one big thing that I've heard from um, some Sabres fans and some Pittsburgh fans, you know, after this bottom run move, and we talked about, um, you know, players, you know, you know, Bottrell is very uh, well respected and well liked in the Penguins organization, and uh, they're sad to see him leave, but excited for him. Maybe this opens a little more of a pipeline between Pittsburgh and uh, Buffalo. It, within the suspension draft this year, uh, it should be interesting. I know one move that you know the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's really going to be looking to move Mark Andre uh, Mark Andre Fleury at the end of this season after a very 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 impressive playoff run so far this year. He's been lights out. Um, a lot of people have been talking. Sabres should bring in Mark on Jerry Fleury at the end of the season. I'm I'm not too I'm not too certain about that. What do you think, Mark? Well, I would be completely against it. Uh, I think too expensive. Um, you already have a guy here in Leonard. Unless you're trading Leonard for a great return, and Pittsburgh's giving you something quite valuable to take on Mark Andre Fleury, but with the other cap issues that we talked about, to take on nearly six million dollar cap hit for Flurry for another two years, I believe his contract runs beyond this, if I'm if I'm remember, uh, yeah. remembering correctly. I, that would really hurt, and it would really hurt when um, when Eichel and Reinhardt have to be re-signed and Kane, if Kane is still around, the Sabres are trying to fit him in too. Uh, so I don't, think, I don't think the Sabres really make a lot of sense as, I, a, as a team for Flurry. I 100% agree with you, and yes, he is. He has two more years left on his contract at a five point, uh, five million seven hundred fifty thousand dollar a year, uh, rate. So um, I am completely against it too. I think he's a heck of a goaltender. He's had a pretty good season. He's got, battled a lot of uh, adversity through the years, but uh, not something that I'm interested in whatsoever. But uh. You know, I've had people bring it up to me, so I've uh, wanted to address it. A guy that would make sense, and some people have brought this up on 
on some message boards that I um, that I go on, but uh, Oli Mata maybe could be oh yeah could be a possible target. You know, if the if the Penguins are because <clears throat> they've got Latang, they have to protect. I think they're probably going to protect set. They're probably going to go seven three one, and they're going to want to only protect three defensemen. They have to. So they've got Latang, Mata, uh, Schultz, Ian Cole. Derek Pouliot, Brian Dumoulin, all eligible for the expansion draft. So, you know, maybe you could get Mata. And Mata's the most expensive besides Latang of that whole group. He's still young, only 22, I think. Uh, lots to like in Ali Mata, whatever his name was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah lots to like. <laughs> maybe that could be a possible target. We've been trying to find teams where it would make sense. Maybe, like you said, there's gonna be more open line of communication there, and there could be some sort of, some sort of uh, beneficial deal for both sides there. Yeah, I think so. And you know, with uh, Rutherford and uh, and Botterell being as close as they are, it's a uh, it's a it's a good poss- it's it's a very likely possibility. And I think any of those names that you mentioned uh, from Dumoulin on. Is uh would be a upgrade on our defense that would help us long term, if uh, you know if the if uh if the trade is right, I have no problem with any of those players. Yeah, so so something to think about. I think that could be a that yeah. could be a possible source for a hopefully decent second pairing defenseman or or somebody to add on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very, uh, very interesting to think that we got a uh, we got a young, promising GM. Uh, it appears to be at um, holding the Sabres in his hand right now. So uh, I'm I'm thrilled. I I truly I truly have bought into this guy already. As unlike the Bills, where I'm trying not to buy into just because. If someone was dumb enough to take the bet, I would predict they go seven or not seven and nine or eight and eight again this year. <laughs> yeah, I'd put I'd 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 take I'd take the odds and assume that's gonna happen. Um, so it it should be uh, interesting. Uh, anything anything uh anything you thinking of that we uh might have forgot about to bring up today, Mark? I don't think so. I think we hit all the main topics we wanted to hit, kind of everything related to the the Bottrell hiring and what to expect from the the coaching search. So I think, yeah, we we dissected his his press conference pretty decently there. So I've got nothing else to add. Yeah. Um. Any uh any you've uh any uh coaches that we didn't uh, bring up? Maybe uh maybe um Atarian or uh someone else that you would uh, be interested in the Sabres bringing up that is uh has a vacant job uh there's nobody else that's really stood out to me beyond who we've talked about in prior podcasts you know I've been doing a, some research here and there but <clears throat> nobody else has really stuck out I'm not I'm not really uh, a Tarian fan mm-hmm. I don't think he's a very good coach the the Canadians fans really you know really disliked him Thought he fell in love too much with grinders. It sounds kind of like Bilesma a little bit. A lot of their criticisms yeah. actually remind me of of the criticisms here of uh, of Bilesma. 
So I don't think I'd be a fan well, just, of that of, of that hiring. Well, just like Buffalo fans, uh, um, Canadian fans really just hate whoever's coaching. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but um, one more thing that I just remembered actually is um, which I think could be important just because you saw the pipeline from Wilkes Bear to Pittsburgh. Um, the whoever's going to coach this uh, this uh, uh, Rochester team is going to be crucial in my opinion too. Someone I I don't know if it's going to be uh, a OHL guy or uh, or some other former juniors successful coach to bring in a young younger uh, generation guy that you could develop down low in case you don't like this head coach in the future. Or maybe uh, a more of a a guy that needs a second chance, a NHL coach that needs a second chance, uh, re uh, reiterate his career, kind of like Mike Sullivan did after you know getting fired in Boston and uh, taking a break and from the NHL and coming back up and really showing that he can be a, a successful coach at the NHL level. Um, any uh, thoughts on the Rochester, uh, the coach search in Rochester? Well, I agree with you. It's gonna be it's gonna be big, and that's gonna be a big part of having a focus down in Rochester. Is you want to hire the best coach down there, and I think they've neglected that a bit in recent years, and it showed. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have any particular targets, so I don't think I've I really haven't gone gone that well, deep I, down I into it to to have any targets. But I completely agree with you. It's it, it's going to be very important. Yeah, I agree too, but. Oh, I wasn't like looking for like a specific name, but if you had to choose between uh, the two choices of you know a younger juniors coach that has never had a head coaching job, a pro coaching job, or uh, a guy that's looking to show that he is a coach in the pros that has had a shot and has been fired from a job or two. I've always been a fan of the, you know, going the, the juniors route or the, the college route and um, hopefully having somebody you can develop, kind of thinking of it almost like you're developing your players down there. But a lot of times those guys have strong development backgrounds too. They're used to developing young players. If, if they come from juniors, they're used to having 16-year-olds that are coming in that are brand new to junior hockey. And how do you get them from that point to be able to be strong contributors by the time they're they're 20 years old? And the same thing very similarly happens in the college game. So I think um, just looking at it from a developmental perspective, that's a good way to be able to to poach some talent from juniors or from the college game. And, and hopefully eventually you have somebody that's a strong enough candidate that gets hired by another NHL team or that if you're struggling at the NHL level, you have a possible replacement there, which a lot of teams have done, Pittsburgh included. Mark, I love I love your response, buddy. That was great. <laughs> and I, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, I'm feeling about the same way about it too. It should be really interesting, and it's very pivotable. Um, one last thing before we uh, call it quits here on the Old Saber t- Podcast, uh, we like to do a little prediction. It's NHL playoffs. Let's, uh, let's, uh, we we made a prediction last time. Uh, Mark made the prediction that had Anaheim going ahead of. Uh, Edmonton, which was a very non-popular pick at the time, and he got that right, so he got, he beat me on that one. We both picked Nashville, so 
Mark still has a leg up on me. We both picked Washington, so he has a leg up on me. But I picked Ottawa, and he picked the Rangers. So um, we we evened up here. So let's uh, go to the conference finals and uh, think what let's 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 do our whole pick from Eastern Conference to Cup winner. Okay, are we doing number of games too? Um, it's up to you. If you want to, we can. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna go Nashville again in uh in six. I will also go Pittsburgh in six. The lucky Senators will somehow figure out a way to squeeze out another game in that in that series. Uh, then in the Cup, I really don't want to pick Pittsburgh. Uh. Do it. I'll pick Do it if you want. That was your first. In, that was your first thought. Pittsburgh in seven, I guess, in the in the Cup Finals. Okay. As much as it pains me to say, that's a. Yeah, and I and I really don't want to see that happen. I hope you're wrong, because I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Nashville in seven. It's been a really good series. Um, you know, I love watching Ryan Kessler. I I'm sure you heard the. Uh, Ryan uh, Johansson uh, interview after the game saying, I don't know how his friends and family could watch him on the ice. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, you, you have, your, that you have your Kessler jersey coming in the mail now. Oh, yeah, I know. And, you know, Kessler is laughing at it and thinks it's a joke. And, you know, he's kind of buying into it. But I'm going to still say Nashville is going to win. I, I'm, I'm going to trust their defense. But that series could go really either way, and that's really exciting. I'm gonna say Nashville in seven, um, Pittsburgh in six, like you said, and I'm gonna go Nashville in six to win the cup. Okay, I hope things go your way. I hope that you're right on this one. Yeah, we'll see, buddy. I don't know, but uh, it should be interesting. I'm excited to watch these games. I don't know the update of the score right now between. Uh, between Nashville and uh, Anaheim because I've been busy and I don't have the TV on behind me because, uh, you know, I really want to focus in on this podcast here. I'm really giving you all the viewers out there everything I got. We and really appreciate one it. Last, <laughs> no problem. One last thing, too. I want to congratulate the, the Erie Otters on winning the OHL uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky trophy. Um, I think that's the trophy. No, it's the Memorial Cup, right? It's a Memorial Cup. The Gretzky Trophy goes out to the most valuable player in the in the in the playoffs. But um, yeah, they won in uh, Game Five uh, last time we spoke. I told you that I was going to Game the Game One. Um, didn't get a chance to go to any other games, but they've won their first one in like 15 years. So I wanted to make sure I uh, enlighten the the city of Erie and the Otters with. Uh, a little mention on the Saber Talk podcast. I'm sure everyone in the, their locker room is going to be talking about it tomorrow. Oh yeah, yeah the old uh, the old Saber Talk bump. Um, but they're yeah. they're they're going to the Memorial Cup now, right? They won. I forget what the trophy is in the in the OHL, but the Memorial Cup's the one with all the oh, CHL yeah. leagues. So maybe is the maybe is the Gretzky Cup in the OHL. You're um, right. Let's see if I pull it up. Just so I'm sure everybody's on pins and needles now. Uh, Looks like it's the uh, the J. Ross Robertson Cup, is the name. Okay, of the, yeah. 
but it is the first time they've won it in 15 years. So McDavid never got it done there. So yeah, uh, that's good for pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I I'm proud of them. Uh, it's a it's a good hockey team, and uh, they actually sold out the their that game five, and uh, they uh, they, um, Mississauga Steelhead only won one game in the series. Um, it was nice going to the Otters game game one though, and uh, checking out Owen Tippett there. We talked about him uh, a little bit, you know, top ten pick in the upcoming draft looks like. Uh, big kid, really very big kid. Uh, can shoot, can really handle the puck, but uh, definitely didn't look good under pressure. Okay. So you're gonna have you're gonna have that with a 17, 18 year old kid playing in a big game like that. Yeah. But uh, still, still, you know, needs needs to be developed, but. Uh, I, I paid attention to him basically every time I'm on the ice because I already had my evaluations on some of the players from Erie and a lot of them already drafted. So it was it was nice to watch that. Hopefully they can go out and uh, win the Calder too. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. They're, uh, it, it's too bad it's not closer. It's being hosted in Windsor, the Memorial Cup. So that's a, that's a pretty long trip from from Westfield. That would be probably – Oh, yeah. Probably a four-hour drive or so to get out there. No, at I'll least. be doing a lot. No, it'd be more. Be than, it'd be more than some that. reading. Be, yeah, five and a half, six hours probably. Yeah, I'll, I'll use the old internet to keep track of that series. Not yep. too, uh, too concerned, but it's not. It's nice uh, when it's an earring. You can go watch it's. Uh, it's uh, congrat. But like I said, congratulations on them on their season. Mark, also congratulations on your birthday. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy for you, man. Congratulations to both your sisters and and your family. Everyone's doing very well. Seems like. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Everything's going well, and you know, being apart makes you appreciate that time that much more when you do get to spend it with them. So, thank you very much for your for your birthday wishes. And I don't know how much my sisters listen to this, but I'll make sure to to let them know. Congrats next time I talk to them. At least I'm getting. Uh, maybe I'm getting some brownie points of uh, Mrs. Geist. So, uh, well, yeah, she's been. If she, she's if been. She, if she made it this far, well, she's been saying Josh always tries to find a way to to throw some Boston stuff her way. Find a way to. <laughs> well, she says that I she, do have a uh, video in that was her Boston. <laughs> well, she says that that she'll be listening to it, and she she goes on her walk sometimes, and she'll. You know, she'll she'll listen to it while she's walking. She'll say sometimes I'm, I'm trying to respond to it, like, no, I want to defend myself from what Josh is saying about me, but but I can't. Oh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to get her a mic and uh, bring her on the show one of these days. Well, she was saying, yeah, she wanted to talk about watching Gilbert Perot play back when uh, her her family had season tickets back in the early days of the Sabers back at the Odd. Wow, I would I would love to hear those stories. Um, that'd be cool. I'd be into that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a pretty good podcast, Mark. I always enjoy talking to you. Hopefully, uh, pretty soon here we can find another excuse to get one of these going. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll be back home next week, so we should be able to incorporate Skype again and be able to see each other while we're talking. But this this works okay. This uh, this was about as good as we could hope for, and I think it went pretty well. Yeah, always enjoy it. I. 
been looking forward to this. We had originally talked about doing it this weekend, but like we talked about, I was traveling, so wasn't able to, to do it at all this weekend, but this worked out perfectly. Yeah, and I've been really crushed with time just because, I mean, last week I worked uh, 60 hours uh, between both my jobs, so it's uh, it's been tough. Uh, I haven't been home as much, and between bartending and working five days in the cemetery, it's a lot. So oh, yeah. I still get my hockey fixing and uh, getting a lot of sleep too. So um, it was a... Uh, it was nice to talk to you. Thanks for uh, listening, everyone. Uh, we'll uh, hopefully be coming back to you in about a week or so. Yep. Thanks, Josh. Have a great rest of your week. All right, you too, buddy.